Uh, let's start. Uh, let's start this evening off, which is an introductory talk uh, with uh, a great um, altruistic motivation. All mother sentient beings, especially those enemies who hate me, the obstructors who harm me, and those who create obstacles and paths of liberation and resistance. May they experience happiness and be and re separated from suffering. I quickly established in the state of the most perfect and precious Buddhahood. All mother sentient beings, especially those enemies, hate me. Obstructors who harm me and those who create obstacles in the path of liberation and resistance. May they experience happiness and be separated from suffering. I quickly established in the state of the most perfect and precious Buddhahood. All mother sentient beings, especially those enemies, who hate me. Obstructors who harm me and those who create obstacles in the path of liberation and resistance. May they experience happiness and be separated from suffering. I quickly established in the state of the most perfect and precious Buddhahood. And now the activity of a bodhisattva, thus until I achieve enlightenment, I perform virtuous deeds with body, speech, and mind. Until death, I perform virtuous deeds with body, speech, and mind. From now until this time tomorrow, I perform virtuous deeds with body, speech, and mind. And the and refuge, outer, inner, secret, and suchness levels of refuge. The Buddha Dharma, the Son, most excellent to take refuge in enlightenment is reached by the merit of generosity and other good deeds. May I attain Buddhahood for the sake of all sentient beings. The Buddha the Dharma, the Son, most excellent. I take refuge in enlightenment is reached by the merit of generosity and other good deeds. May I attain Buddhahood for the sake of all sentient beings. And the four immeasurables. May all mother sentient beings balance the sky of happiness and the cause of happiness. May they liberate from suffering the cause of suffering. May they never be separated from the happiness which is free from sorrow. May they rest in equanimity, free from attachment and aversion. Great. So um, tomorrow morning, uh, I'll start the uh, details teaching the retreat um, proper. And uh, we'll also have a handout for you. I've, I found that uh, giving a study guide um, of, of four different um, people coming to the teaching from introductory it's not complete, but introductory. And then uh, a, a, um, a study guide on the topic uh, of this retreat. So that will be printed out, um, finished printing, uh, tomorrow morning. It's taking a long time. It's quite, quite thick. And uh, you'll have that, things to study. But also, um, I'm following the ancient uh, method, which is um, very traditional, which is to uh, follow uh, study contemplation, reflection, and meditation in that order. So it's, it's really important uh, that instead of jumping into a meditation, that we actually uh, study, reflect, uh, and orientate ourselves to uh, what is a very profound meditation. Um, I'll, I'll start off by saying this evening, and in, in no way am I exaggerating. I don't, I try never to exaggerate, but I do have fun. And um, I'd like to maybe tell a little bit of a story occasionally. But in this case, uh, the teaching of karma, which is activity uh, and causality, um, is so important that you, you could study, if you study all of the teaching of Dharma, of the Hinayana, the Mahayana, the Vajrayana, uh, right through the highest teachings of Atta Yoga and Mahamudra you could easily, with no problem at all, it's just not presented this way very often, say that the entire teaching is about karma. It's either about negative 
unwholesome karma. It's about wholesome karma. It's about neutral karma. But it's also eventually, uh, when we get to the Vajrayana, we get to the uh, teachings of Atiyoga, Yoga, Zogchen, and Mahamudra, it's all about uh, awake karma, fully freed um, activity of the mind. So every single meditation is about karma. Every single reflection, just about, I won't, maybe there'll be some exceptions we'll find, is actually a study, reflection, and meditation on karma, mental impulse. You can't get away from it. And uh, I have found that lots of people are trying <laughs> really hard to get away from a deep study, deep understanding, deep uh, reflection on the nature of uh, causality. Trying to kind of circumvent it, like somehow jump over it. So um, tomorrow I'll start in on explaining uh, about uh, this word karma. And when we have a word that is so uh, commonly used in our society, it's almost worth changing the word. So if I say the word karma out loud, um, all of you in the room, I suspect, from karma bookstore to karma coffee to uh, karma, karma golf to whatever that word you think karma is, usually when I ask, it has not very much to do with actually what we mean by the word karma in the tradition of Buddhist uh, meditation liberation. It, it might actually have to do with the word karma in a common usage in Southeast Asia among uh, individuals, let's say, or, or even Canadians or, or North Americans or Europeans that haven't ever really studied. It's just common usage. So uh, we'll get into that tomorrow. Um, it's very important to clear up exactly what's meant by, by karma. So uh, I feel very, very fortunate, one, to be here. I just, I'm, I actually really love coming here. It's great. Come to the tent and um, join me in unfolding uh, a rich uh, um, a journey of, uh, of, of awakening. Uh, I feel very, very fortunate that since I met my main teacher uh, and some of the teacher, main teacher of some of you here, uh, Namjoon Rinpoche. Uh, Namjoon Rinpoche, uh, in my eyes, and actually I think in some others, and he was very strong on this point and very much this way, uh, was a king of karma. He studied karma. He studied causality. He studied cause and effect. He was a master of happening. He made things happen. <laughs> Boy, be ever. He uh, was instrumental in showing people how things unfold. And he often would quote the Karma Raja Sutra, which is a very famous sutra on a discourse on karma, the king called the king of karma discourse, and quote from it saying basically uh, this is the work you need to do. There is an idea um, among many, I've, I've heard it many times, that if I just meditate then uh, I can liberate, I can be fine, all the problems go away, I have a concentrated mind, so on. A number of says no, 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 not, not actually not. It's not necessarily more meditation. 
is you have to actually free the habit patterns, which is karma. And uh, as he said in his book on karma, woman, transcendence, which I've, I've given you the quote there in the book, but as he said in there, you can fiddle around with your stories, your autobiographical story all you want, you'll still be dissatisfied. See, so the path of liberation, which is not often taught, it's really, it's really taught a lot in Mahamudra and Dzogchen teachings, but the path of, of liberation is the end of stories, <laughs> is the end of making fabrications. Or, if you make a fabrication, you know it's fabrication. It's like a magician making magic. You have to know you're making magic. Did you see? The audience doesn't know what's happening. It's just, wow, that's amazing. And the magician, if you walk into another magician's tent, uh, you will know that some sleight of hand is being done, right? But the magician knows actually how the magic's working, but the illusion is still there. They don't have to leave. It's not like they've left and now play a video. Do you understand? Like they don't have to play a video. They're still in it, creating magic. But they know actually how sleight of hand uh, is created, and therefore they're in it, they're out of it, and they're actually creating uh, magic for a purpose. Hmm? This is very important. It's very important. So in the teaching of Dharma, uh, uh, Buddhist Dharma, the, the, really the heart of suffering, the heart of bewilderment, is making fabrications and believing in the fabrications. And human beings are fabricators. And I don't mean that in a negative way at all. I mean, look at this place. Fantastic. Look at this planet. It's amazing. It has some really awful things going on, but it's quite amazing. When we talk about a tent, it's a fabrication of the mind. Do you understand the word fabricant? In, in, oh, that's German, yes? Fabricant, I think. Mm -hmm. It's German. Yeah. To fabricate. And they know about fabricating. Really good about fabricating. Yeah? So look what you've done. You've put together a tent. Uh, someone has built a, um, a foundation, a shrine, all kinds of things. We've fabricated coming together to study Dharma and practice Dharma. That's what we do all day in, day out. But we really don't know the extent that we do it and how it actually causes both misery and great joy. So the entire path is not just about getting rid of those things we cling to. That is a view. That is a particular way of teaching certain beings, which I will also teach. Uh, but when we come to certain other teachings of Mahamudra Zangchan, it's very much about coming out of the, the bewilderment of created fictions and stories, and they're multi-layered. You think, oh, it's going to be hopeless. We've got societal fictions, historic fictions, your own fictions, seemingly your own they're not your own fictions, uh, seemingly your own fictions. It's taught that way in the Western world. Uh, and, and so on, layer after layer after layer of fictions. You go, how am I going to get out of it? Do I have to look at each story and unravel it and go back? No, you, you don't have to. We actually have to cut the root, actually chop down the tree if you, if, you know, you've, you all know our butis trees here? 
I think all of you do. The arbutus tree is a beautiful, a beautiful peeling bark, brown trees, ready, ready brown. If you cut down arbutus, they usually grow back. Is that right? They just send out more shoots and they grow back. The way to cut an arbutus is how? You have to cut the roots out. Usually, you have to cut the roots out. So, one of the difficulties is if we actually don't go for the roots, or the root, which is, del which is delusion, about this state of bewilderment, then uh, no matter how much meditation, I'm being very classic, I always teach very classically, uh, from tradition of thousands of years, if we continue to meditate, it's nice, good, it may be good, but it actually doesn't take us out of the illusion. It doesn't take us out of the bewilderment. This has been stated by incredibly uh, um, um, profound masters uh, for thousands of years. They've, they've nailed it every time. So uh, this retreat is understanding what causes the confusion, actually what causes everything to happen, and what's behind it all, and uh, coming out of confusion, not by telling more stories, by examining the nature story making, how it happens, what's, what its effect is, slowing it down, the meditations to do that, and uh, moving uh, everybody along from uh, creating fabrications to the stainless state uh, experience and then realization of no more belief in fabrications. Now, it doesn't mean that you never tell a story and you never speak again. So there is uh, an idea in some circles of Buddhism um, and meditation and so on, that if you could just stop talking, if you could still the mind and have no thoughts and concepts, it'd all be good and taken care of. Therefore, you'd never put your foot in your mouth again. You wouldn't um, uh, step off a step the wrong way. You wouldn't bump your head against a tree trunk. You wouldn't slurp your food. You do the dishes perfectly. You know, this, this kind of thing. And nobody would talk back to you. Nobody, you, you wouldn't even have to even discuss anything. So nothing would happen untoward. But I think anybody who's tried that path knows that the second that you come out of meditation, or even while you're in retreat, uh, untoward things happen. It doesn't work. Never works, and 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 teachers have pointed this out for uh, centuries, that no matter how much you still your mind, you're not free. You now have a new clinging. You now have a new fixation to deal with, and it is the most addictive fixation. It's like super heroin. Actually, cigarettes are more addictive. Yeah, than heroin. Okay, super, super, super cigarettes. Yeah, super cigarettes. Uh, because the reward is so, is so fantastic. But the reward in this case of Dharma, the teaching of Dharma, the reward is liberation. Not, not to be uh, super happy, not to be super sad, but actually be free of uh, states and uh, ideas and things and events that cause bewilderment. And that is actually knowing the nature of mind. So, so this is what this retreat is about, and we'll go step by step, stage by stage, and uh, give out studies, uh, reflections, um, meditations. Common to every single uh, Buddhist school, 
of um, uh, every tradition is what's called the four common foundations. They're all about causality. The preciousness of human life, study of causality, uh, death and impermanence. Hmm? Um, I'm forgetting one. Oh, the rarity, the, rar the rarity, pardon? samsara, the, the, un the unfortunate nature of samsara, all that is causality and karma. Only one of them is called karma, causality, but all the others in turn, turn out to be profound studies of karma. That's where we're going to start tomorrow, is, is those. What, what a great opportunity to have a month, for, mo for some of you, a month, to do something that, that often in a monastic situation or a yogi, yogini, in a traditional, let's traditional, spiritual life, would probably be given six months to a year to go, go, go study this, go, go practice. It would be there every day, every day, every day, every day. So unless one really uh, takes the nature of karma, causality, to heart, the states that cause suffering happen again and again and again and again, you may be able to still your mind. Some of you probably very good at it. Some of you, because of life, uh, just the conditioning of this life, more difficult. But everybody can be trained uh, to a greater or lesser degree to have an absolutely still, clear, blissful mind. Greater or less, greater or less degree. But, but some of you here, literally, uh, could be trained if we have long enough, perhaps six months to a year to two years, uh, literally could go for hours without a thought and feel absolutely blissful. Great. Wouldn't that be great? Mm -hmm. Except that when you now step out of your retreat cabin, some of you have, you've had moments like that or periods, you step out of your retreat cabin or you interact with another retreatant or lo and behold, you interact with the administrator of the retreat, write a note, whatever it is, and it gets blown because the habit patterns that you think are all nice and calm and blissful are now roaring without anything you can do about it. Yeah? Just roaring away and it comes out in body, a speech of mind. The very fast way is to cut the root of ignorance, just, just sheerly cut right through it. And if we could do that, that wouldn't that be wonderful? It would be over with. You could walk away tonight and go, I did it. Oh, it's all done. It's great. It doesn't work that way. And the reason is we actually have to build enough strength force um, of parami. And we'll, we'll get into that. Parami, um, wholesome states, um, understanding a causality and so on. So there's enough uh, clarity, tranquility, evenness, wholesomeness, that when instructions are given to cut the root, look at the nature of mind, that it actually happens. So one literally could sit and retreat for 10, 20, 30 years. People have talked about one eon. That's 15, that's 15 billion years. And not. Just producing more states, more interesting states, or less interesting states. So my recommendation for those that are in retreat, uh, I think everybody, pretty much everybody's in retreat, uh, at least for a week here, uh, is the first thing, is, the first thing to do is to understand or to see uh, uh, causality. Is, I know many people, if I say, do you understand causality? Yeah, I understand causality. When you see them act, it's a different story altogether. 
So, so to, to, because we move so quickly, especially in the society, it's going to require slowing way down. Way down. Get the physiology to slow down, not by controlling, just slowing down. And uh, as we slow down, all these very fast uh, events of causality, mental events, speech events, uh, how we act, how things influence us, uh, as we really slow down, we begin to see how uh, um, causality works. It's absolutely fantastic. It's an amazing, amazing revelations. Uh, Namjoon Rinpoche many times uh, in his um, uh, teachings over the years, I remember him talking about uh, occasionally, because he didn't talk about his meditative experiences very, very often, but one of the ones he talked about um, the most, I think, one of the most profound experiences for him was meditating on impermanence and death, causality, and um, watching a, uh, a, bo a man or a boy, uh, it was in Burma, uh, coming down a hill on a, on a bicycle, I believe, coming down, and seeing all the printout, all the comings together of the events, of everything happening on that, just seeing it, just seeing it clearly. And I believe a car, car hit, hit the bicyclist. But he remembered sit, sitting there, and even before anything happened, he just saw the bicyclist, he knew uh, death was imminent. And went, you know, he described that as just seeing so clearly all events um, forming, all caused that coming together, and the mind printing out the experience before it ever happened. Sitting up in a, I think he was sitting up in a, Somewhere far away, you could see it actually uh, taking place, just a bicyclist coming down the road. So as one becomes more familiar with um, um, inputs into causality, one begins to also print out automatically without any, um, even trying, the prediction also of how things are going to play out. And you, you read about, and I, of course I live with somebody like that, it's Namdra but and the Karapa, but someone like the Karapa, who was reported to literally be such a great master of karma, uh, and I saw this, he would simply tell people how long they had to get something done. Like a door opening and closing. Literally. If you don't get it done, six months, it's finished. That's it. Done. Someone will come back and say, we didn't make it, it's finished. Opportunity's gone. By the way, if you go over here, to that rock, over there you will find, and so on. It's an amazing understanding of karma. And then you do that, this will happen. And they come back and say, it didn't, didn't get there, it didn't do it. It's finished. It's finished. Or you've got six more months. Amazing understanding. So you think, well, that's just good meditation. Yeah, it is, but it's actually a study of understanding cause and effect. He's, he's called a Kamaraja. So, um, yeah, important. So is there a meditation on karma? Well, not really. You can. You can contemplate karma. You can, you can try to understand it. Impermanence. You can understand causality by reflecting on it. But when you look at the tradition of what they call today Vipassana, the wisdom uh, insight uh, traditions of Southeast Asia, especially, uh, you will see that when they um, list 
the various uh, insights, what's called in Pali jnana, Spanish and A and A. There's a long A in there. Jnana, lot first A is long, I think. Jnana. Jnana means actually knowing something clearly. And uh, in the 16 stages or the 21 stages, various different, different traditions of stages of insight, the first three or five stages is all about causality, seeing it clearly, really clearly. And if you're really practicing in a good retreat, really, and all of you, all of you that I know who've done retreats, um, a lot of what you bring to me is printouts of causality, dealing with causality. So we try to unbind it, and uh, that's really what you're doing. So um, in the tradition of insight, uh, what we call today insight, uh, or vipassana, what was called, really should be called vipassana jnana, uh, the first three to five stages of practice that the teacher wants to know you really have, because you don't really go further. You just bounce around within those three to five, is understanding really clearly cause and effect and that mental for the most part mental impressions mental impulses actually lead to our speech and our body activities this arm does not float around like this for a mysterious unknown reason well it's actually a neurological disease <laughs> it's a neurological floats around. Every once in a while, Arian has to rope it in and bring it down. Um, it's, it's a bit similar to this one. It actually has a technical name. There is, there is, a, there is a neurological illness where uh, the hand will come up and uh, try to strangle a person. It's true. It's case. No, not, not trust. It's got, a, it's got a certain particular name to it. I just forget the name, but it was um, um, shown, of course, in, in Dr. Strangelove, that, that, that great 60, 1963, I think it was, great classic Dr. Strangelove who would every once in a while, with a black glove, remember that? Yeah, Peter Sellers. Yeah, Peter Sellers, marvelous. But um, actually, we do this sort of thing all the time, but uh, not, not quite as obvious. So anyways, this, this arm waving about like this, uh, is not some mysterious uh, thing. Actually, every single activity we have actually has mental uh, impulsion, mental force uh, behind it. All of our consciousness has mental force. It happens so fast, it's really fast. And you say, oh, there's no way you could see it. Oh, you can really see it clearly. You just need to train that way. It happens so fast, so quickly that for an untrained person, they're simply not going to see most of it. They're going to backtrack and make up a story. When you get really clear in meditation, you're focusing on um, events and causality and formations, you, it starts to pop out so clearly. You see things you've never seen before about yourself. So if you think you're going into retreat, which is why most people don't want to go into retreat, you're going to see things both absolutely beautiful and startling disquietude. And they're not about you. See, this is the thing. This is just Western conditioning. You didn't do it. Most of what you're dealing with is certain, simply uh, cultural, historic period of attitudes and conditioning. Greed, hatred, delusion has been there for 
at least probably two or three hundred thousand to a million years. All right. So, but, but all the other ways in which we think and our beliefs and how we do things and right and wrong and should and shouldn't, these are very often um, not us, but how we were taught and trained within a certain historic period. And a lot of what people are doing in retreat is, is kind of fighting with that or, or dealing with that, waiting for some mystical thing. We want to go right beyond all that. We want to see how it actually happens, how it falls apart. And to do that, we have to slow down. So as I, ever, I think every time for 16 years now, I've introduced probably pretty much every retreat the same way. And there's a good reason for it because it's really the key is if you slow down to the speed of a turtle, then please slow down to the speed of a slug. And once you slow down to the speed of a slug, you can slow down to the speed of a snail. And once you get down to the speed of a snail, go even slower. And I, I don't mean that in a funny way. The more you can slow down your body motions, the more your senses begin to pick up fine detail. The reason we don't talk in meditation, in certain types of meditation retreats, certain meditation retreats, is because every time we speak, we bring, and speak to some, especially speak to somebody else, we start to agitate the habit patterns. They just—it's almost like waves uh, crashing against waves and setting all kinds of wave patterns. We just want the waves to settle down, so we can see the habit patterns that we generally have, which will print out day, two days, three days, 72 hours is about maximum for getting to see most of one's habit patterns. We're not interested so much in the content. We're interested in the ability to, with absolute equanimity, see them arise, if they ever do, see them arise and see them pass. But not, and we're going to go further than that. Observation doesn't liberate. So just like a musician, like some of you have been trained in music, um, it's now known, I think, I, I often remember exactly what the amount is, but the duration by which we can differentiate uh, individual sounds is something like 10 milliseconds. It's amazing. It really is truly amazing. So that comes with training. But actually a lot of us can do it, we just don't know we do it. The ability to smell, the ability to see fine detail, and so on, if we slow down, it allows us to actually have cognitively, do you understand what I mean by that? We can see thoughts, we can see emotions, we can see sense, we can actually not see, feel, cognize, know, uh, um, experience, the nature of experience, finer and finer and finer. It's like having a really good microscope, a really good telescope. And uh, then I can actually give you the kinds of exercises, the kinds of ways of looking that uh, can catch moments that you may have never seen before or didn't even believe were even possible to see. So we slow down our body. We allow, we don't force, we allow our breath to slow. We let our speech come to rest, internally, externally. Nothing like a good talk 
in a retreat to to really ruin a retreat or the retreat of somebody else. Um, in theory, you can't ruin a, re a person's retreat, but you can certainly, on the surface, or appear to, uh, degrade a retreat for somebody else by, by, by talking. And then the mind, let the mind relax. Okay. So uh, to support that, um, I've uh, asked uh, Laurel um, to lead uh, yoga, qigong, and other kinds of explorations uh, at four o'clock in the afternoon. That will start tomorrow. So it's not just yoga, not just qigong, but all kinds of um, interesting explorations for you uh, to support uh, this retreat. So, so please, please come and uh, please um, um, learn uh, from, from Laurel, uh, who has a lot of experience uh, in these matters. And it's a way of supporting so that the, uh, the ability to see detail and then recognize the detail and then recognize what you're seeing increases, increases, increases. So as Namjoon Prashay was often want to say, the slower we can see experience, the faster the universe speeds up. Because this, this universe is moving at an incredible rate. It's like a blur. So we have a trick of consciousness. Can you hear me right now? Can you all hear me? Most of you aren't. You're filling in blanks. Okay? It's called predictive text. We predictive text all the time. Can you hear me right now? Yeah? No, it's about three quarters of a second late. It just feels like right now. You follow? Do you see a person up here talking? Yeah? No, not much at all. It just feels like that. Okay? So it's really tricky, seamlessly tricky. And there's good reasons for it, and we shouldn't be negative about it, but we need to actually slow down cognition to the point where we can see actually the discrepancies, and we can actually see how this experience actually gets built, okay? how it actually gets constructed. It's important. So I'm going to share also with you in this retreat, uh, it's, in, it's in some of the notes, but it's also going to come out of my mouth as I teach, which is the best way. Uh, many kinds of instructions I receive from Nam Rinpoche that I receive personally, sometimes in class, but also sometimes personally. He was a great, as I said, a great master of, of, of causality, a master of Abhidhamma, uh, um, a, a recognized master of, of Burmese uh, insight and Mahamudra. And uh, a lot of his time spent with students was about uh, the complexity and the binding of habit patterns and helping them unbind. He once said very clearly, the role of a Lama is not, not so much it is to teach meditation, but uh, he was very strong at this point as he pointed to me <laughs> and said, said the, the uh, Lama actually is there to free karma so people can meditate. Because actually, uh, once uh, habit patterns um, are unbound, uh, the instructions of, of meditation, where to look, how to see, how to contemplate, go really fast. They really go fast. In the case of Milarepa, we should do that, yeah. 
But in the case of Milarepa, he went, uh, he, he did some nasty things. You know the story of Milarepa, yes? All about causality. Uh, Milarepa, um, his family, uh, his mother and him and his sister, they had their wealth uh, basically stolen out from, uh, from underneath them by the relatives. And they lost their wealth, they lost their standing. Um, his mother was made to uh, clean the house that she, I think that she once lived in, and so on. So they, they move from fairly well off to, to poverty, but actually sub subservient existence. And the, his mother was so mad over this that she helped him, helped him, and he was mad too, but helped him become a sorcerer. And eventually his skill of meditation in sorcery, his mindfulness in sorcery, his quality of mind was so sharp that he became a really good sorcerer. And, and he uh, describes how he um, meditated and caused a hailstorm and, and an uh, avalanche to come down and during a community festival um, killed a lot of townspeople uh, through his, his um, mental ability. Uh, after that, he was greatly remorseful and knew that uh, his uh, printout <laughs> upon death, maybe even upon life, was a very nasty printout, uh, maybe, maybe health states for a very long time. And he was very remorseful of what he did. He realized he had done something really awful. And he eventually found a teacher of Dzogchen, uh, Maha'ati, um, a very direct way of cutting the root of ignorance and a very fast attainment. And uh, that teacher said, I, I, you, you can't do this. I mean, I'm trying, but you can't do this. So Milleraper realized he just didn't have the actual foundation of wholesomeness to do this. So that teacher of, of Zogchen said, why don't you go and um, uh, see Marpa? He's a great um, translator, great yogi, and I think he can help you. He's of the New Translation School, and he's over there. Go visit with him. And when, he, when uh, Marpa met Milarepa, um, he set, uh, I think most of you know these stories, but, but, but really well, well laid out, and you can actually go visit in um, northern northern. Uh, Nepal and southern uh, in, uh, Tibet, uh, the places where, where, and even one of the last uh, buildings that Milarepa built. But uh, Marpa had uh, Milarepa uh, erect buildings and take buildings down, erect buildings and take buildings down. Most of them were watchtowers, and they were in the shape of mandalas. And uh, by doing that, he was unbinding such heavy, deep karmic patterning. So you'd think, well, he should have just given meditations. Well, in fact, he kept Milarepa for a very long time, years, from receiving the mandal initiation that would uh, introduce him to the Mahamudra and so on. Uh, so he got to study Dharma. It turns out he was a really good. He knew his Dharma really well. He wasn't just building buildings. He was really studying. Uh, and he also he had a sharp mind. So uh, after many, many, many years of hardship, of undoing, unbinding, all this negativity. I won't give you the full story tonight. It's a beautiful story. It's an amazing story. Uh, he was eventually given the initiation and uh, sent in retreat. And then shortly after that, uh, he had his first glimpse of the nature of mind. You see? But he actually had to undo the karmic pattern sufficiently to recognize his own nature. Otherwise, it wouldn't, wouldn't have happened. So, uh, so a study of karma, meditation on karma, meditation on cause and effect, 
will help us unbind in ways we've perhaps never been able to uh, unbind uh, before. When uh, so many of you who study with me and study perhaps with other people, but, but many of you here do do study with me, uh, many of you study in the tantric. We study the tantric and the Vajrayana tradition. Is that correct? We we do we practice completion uh, generation and completion stage yogas of which these tankas are um, a part part of that process. That's a very very speedy way for unbinding uh, karmic patterns to recognize the nature of mind. So at some point this month. But first, especially the last week, but in this, it's not in your handout because I haven't written it yet. It's another, it's another handout. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, why the tantric path also works uh, very rapidly, and um, and it has its purpose is that most of us come to the teaching, even for a very long time, with a frustration about us. Is that is that fairly correct? With a frustration about me. Actually, probably me. At some point it would be about me. He doesn't like me enough, he doesn't pay attention, but, but, but for you right now it's about something, things that you do that you're not so happy. There's not that many people actually that come to Dharma Walk and say, I want to know the nature of mind and I'd like to actually have full liberation for every single sentient being. That's extremely rare. Most of it's, I'm really not functioning so well. Usually, how they come. Uh, or, I'm really having some very big difficulties in my life. I'd really like to unravel why this happens. Is that, is that fairly correct? Yeah. yeah? That's natural. It's absolutely understandable. It's natural. So it goes from unbinding so-called, which is not true, but it will feel that way, personal intention mind, personal karmic habit patterning, uh, but in the Vajrayana Tantric tradition, we're actually unbinding uh, not just ours, but actually the way a sentient creature binds. For what purpose? For Buddha karma, which is the activity of actually spontaneously, naturally, effortlessly, compassionately liberating other beings. That means that the impulsion of mind is for that purpose. It will show up in dreams. That just means the entire day pretty much is spent in the pursuit of freeing beings of delusional fixations and patterns that so they can actually uh, contemplate the nature of mind, the nature of phenomena. Okay? That's, that's the purpose of Vajrayana. So it's very rapid, but uh, for others, uh, sometimes it's very bewildering. So uh, I like to teach um, in both ways, is uh, sometimes um, in the tradition of uh, uh, Southeast Asian um, of Vipassana and the Samatha meditations, Tranquility meditations of Southeast Asia, and uh, sometimes uh, in the traditions of Mahamudra and Zogchen and the Vajrayana tradition as both methods of binding and um, unbinding and binding. Okay. So we'll have a combination of both this month, but we're going to start off with uh, some very um, straightforward uh, fundamentals about uh, um, uh, intention mind and how intention mind manifests in, uh, in every, everyday life. Whenever we meditate, 
So, so I give, I'll give you the, 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 the good news and the bad news. Which one would you like first? Are you pausing? The good news. The good news is that every single meditation is a karmic meditation. It's printout of karma, and it's building positive activity. That's, that's all it is. That's, that's what it is. Every single meditation, every single part of life is the same. But uh, the reason we meditate, the reason we go into retreat, is we, try, we, we stop unwholesome patterns for building and gaining a storehouse of wholesome activity and learning how powerful that is. And the other thing that Nam Rinpoche often pointed out uh, really clearly is actually he wasn't so concerned, he was to some degree, but not so concerned about unwholesome behavior. Oh, he, he, he'd nail someone on it in, in a second. But actually he more often nailed someone on no-go-where behavior. Gray. Because gray is the worst. Gray, gray is the most difficult to deal with. The dull, the gray, the lack of energy, the depression, the I don't need to, I'm fine, even though I'm miserable, I'm fine, this kind of thing. And found that the most, the most difficult state. So um, this is a hard one. This is a very difficult one, especially with a lot of cynicism. So we're going to also uh, e examine that. So, so uh, tonight, go to sleep. <laughs> Have a good sleep. Have a good rest. Sleep's really important. It's causal. If you sleep well, I don't care if you sleep for one hour. I don't care what it says. One hour, two hours, five hours, six hours, ten hours, twelve hours. I, I don't care. Uh, if you can wake up feeling refreshed, then uh, you feel bright and good. If you feel very draggy and, and tired because you're trying to have a very short sleep because someone told you that the best thing to do is have two hours, well, when you have great energies and your, your focus is amazing, you feel very blissful and radiant, yeah, you might not, not even sleep. So uh, try to get a good sleep tonight. Uh, put away your books. Uh, you're going to have lots to read. Uh, a, a good handout to study. Uh, put it away. Uh, go for walks. Uh, go have a wonderful bath at Crystal Mountain. That's the ocean, right? It's cold. That's a challenge. That's a challenge. Okay. That's a challenge. Um, and uh, if, you've, if you've got a novel on the go, I wish you did. If you had a novel on the go, finish it off. That's how I often start retreats. I, I often would start a retreat by um, reading a novel and finishing it off on the start, start date, just putting it away. I just love it. Nice detective novel or something like that. Can't imagine where that habit came from. Mount <laughs> Rocher would devour two detective novels a day, usually. One, one and a half, one, sometimes two. Rex out, two a day. Longer one, one and a half. Um, so relax, enjoy, and um, just put away. So, so please, uh, please, please, uh, get rid of those cell phones. Uh, iPads, computers, electronic devices, I guess uh, um, watches now, they have watches. Uh, if you say, well, I must use my um, cell phone or my mobile because of my alarm clock, uh-uh, don't, don't do it. Uh, I know you've got Facebook. Uh, I know uh, there's going to be email messages. There's, there's long texting, you know, all this kind of thing to look, to look at and go through. It's very easy to do that, especially, especially this kind of practice where... You might get a bit dry every once in a while. You're looking at 
you. <laughs> and you might want to go, could I just have something that entertains me? So, uh, um, uh, please, please. Uh, Giselle, have you locked them up? Have you confiscated them, locked them up? Uh, no, I haven't, but um, if you, if I, you'd I trust like to. that people can put them in their suitcases and shut them up. I wouldn't. Well, you can't charge that. I know, I know, I know, but I, I wouldn't because I've seen lots of cases of people telling me what the weather's going to be like before the end of retreat. How would you know that? Oh, I checked my cell phone. You know, it was like a week in, you know, before the end of retreat. And taking pictures and all kinds of busy, busy stuff. So that kind of busyness uh, is detrimental to this kind of uh, insightful, um, clear, insightful-looking retreat. Uh, really you need just this being utterly investigative, like a, like a really good researcher on the case. Uh, as as, uh, as Namjoon Rinpoche used to teach it, like a good whodunit. This is a whodunit. Who, who did who in and why? And you're going to be looking at the forensic evidence of actually how it happened. I mean, he used to explain it that way, you know. Cause, so you're looking for the forensic evidence, the trail, of how this happens both beauty and awful, right? same thing. Uh, how does this all happen? Uh, by following the trail. And to do that, we have to put away the things that keep interfering with that uh, trail. Okay? So, very slow walking, unless you need to get to the meal on time. Very slow activities, but make sure you get the carrots caught on time. Okay? Um, uh, tomorrow, tonight, get, get all... Have you gotten all your social talking out? It's good, right? Get to know each other. Have you, have you done that? Or do you need to do that tonight? Is that all finished? Or? Well, have you got to know each other? That's good. Get to know each other. Hello, how are you? You know, we used to have retreats all the time. We never knew who anybody was. It just, you go in, you leave, and I remember seeing that person, but never ever talked to them. So say hello, get to know people. And tomorrow morning, uh, before when you come to class, let's call that it for talking. Unless someone steps on you. Like you're lying down, they step on you, and you need to say, please get off. Uh, or what else? They don't know it, but they took your food. You know, something like that. You can think of things. They drove off with your car. Well, you shouldn't, you know, know about that. But. They took your retreat cushion. I don't know. But, but otherwise, you can write a note if you have to, but keep all communication, which is going to stir up habit patterns to an absolute minimum. And most of it, one doesn't need to do. Don't, don't, doesn't need to happen. So let's, let's, say, let's say tomorrow morning, uh, have it all done, all organizational details. Make sure your mortgage is paid, your visa bills are paid. It's getting really complicated. <laughs> uh, make sure your, your uh, gas uh, flame on your stove at home is turned off in Guatemala. No, I'm just kidding. All those kinds of things. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about that. Either. Okay. So get, get all that stuff taken care of so you can just be like this and investigate. Okay. Uh, 
Uh, I'd like to thank um, uh, the uh, uh, the wonderful um, um, board. They're not board. The <laughs> the board of Crystal Mountain. The board members of Crystal Mountain. Um, for inviting me once again. This is our 16th annual retreat. It's amazing, 16 years. And uh, wonderful things have happened, really continue to happen here. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted by what people do and how they grow. And so thank you very much for uh, once again uh, allowing me to open my mouth and um, um, guide, guide people and give you... Um, things to do to, to uh, liberate. And I'd like to also thank, of course, um, all my mentors, um, both uh, spiritual and um, secular, and also especially university too, and all my mentors uh, in science and in Dharma uh, in um, allowing this to happen, actually. Uh, I would not be here doing this uh, and speaking to you and giving you these um, teachings and transmissions. Uh, without the um, um, great generosity, compassion, kindness uh, of all of my teachers, and especially uh, Namjur Rinpoche, um, who uh, imparted to me uh, many teachings, especially the transmission of the yogic uh, tradition of Abhidhamma, which is so much about causality. So that's a specialty of mine, and, and he asked me to, at the age of 20, to transmit it, so you're going to be receiving uh, this month um, a lot of that uh, transmission, which is uh, in the Abhidhamma, which is the, uh, forms the insight tradition uh, of, of Southeast Asia. Okay, so good. And we'll see how long it lasts. We uh, have you up at the house for some teachings too. But I also like to um, celebrate, celebrate use Crystal Mountain, use this tent. I love teaching in the tent, and um, I make sure I like to make sure that Crystal Mountain has as many blessings as possible as it goes forward in its application for rezoning. Uh, as many many blessings as possible. It's now been I think 13 years in the making, and uh, may it uh, unfold beautifully, so that uh, more and more people can practice. We can have uh, winter practice, uh, people in solo retreats and have a, maybe an, even an expanded um, hall here, and um, winterized maybe, and a septic field, and a bathhouse, and uh, so on, so on, and many more cabins. So. But we seem to do it, we seem to practice anyways, right? Mm -hmm. We just do it. So in the tradition of Namjol Rinpoche, whether there's a retreat facility or not, we just get on about the business of Awakening. This is the beauty, beauty of it. So we've, we've, it's been good, it's been really good. So I'm very, very pleased, pleased how people are doing. And uh, I'm going to be quiet now and uh, and go. So that's introduction. This is this is a profound meditation, dear to my heart. A series of meditations and studies, and I'm so happy to um, impart it as one uh, big uh, package for you. One big package. Mm. And also lay the basis for the last week, uh, which will be uh, continuing with this uh, retreat, but I'm going to add on the last week 
the uh, teachings and transmission of the Yangzab Foundation practice, which is all about karma, but it's actually about Buddha karma. Okay, so we'll finish we'll finish the week with the um, uh, teachings and um, practice uh, of uh, the Yangzab Foundation practice, plus also continuing with this. Okay, so I don't think there's any need for questions unless it's really. Uh, but but uh, tomorrow morning at what time am I? What time tomorrow? Uh, Is it 9.30? 9.30. Yes, let's say 9.30. Yeah, 9.30 tomorrow morning. Let's try 9.30. 9.30 here. And um, Laurel at 4. And another session at 7.30. Okay. And uh, tomorrow morning, hopefully we'll have handouts. So I'd like you for the first while to actually read. Read, reflect, meditate. Read, really read. Read, reflect, meditate, and bring questions. And um, let's let's have a good chew about this material, okay? So it, it goes in deeply, not just like this, not stilling. Really deep reflection, deep contemplation. Uh, that'd be wonderful. By this powerful activity, this punyakama, may it lead to the cessation of suffering of all sentient beings. Idante, when you come on, I saw what you want to do, Idante, when you come on, I saw what you want to do, Idante, when you come on, I saw what you want to do. Sabe Satakasukhantu, may all beings be well and happy, healthy and happy. May all beings be established in an unbroken, effortless continuum of freedom, the union of wisdom and compassion as a glorious gift for all a life. Sarmangalam, Sarmangalam, Sarmangalam.